Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to On My Block Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wall, along with Packers all-time leading rusher, Amon Green. We are coming to you every single week, including Packers preseason here, where I'll be honest with you guys, preseason's great. I mean, listen, there's so many kind of segments that you go to, especially as a fan. There's so many things you kind of go through and building up to the preseason, um, into, excuse me, to the regular season, and you have to go through these gates, right? So right now in the NFL, you got to go through, I think, four practices before you get in shoulder pads. I think you have to get in top pads first. So you can get in full pads later. There's only thir- 11 or 13 amount of actual padded practices during the, the preseason. It's just life is so much different. I don't necessarily know that it's better or worse. I know the players can play longer become of it, because of it, but it's something that we all have to at least discuss and talk about because quite frankly, we don't get too much else to talk about during this time of the year. There's not a lot going on in the rest of the sports world. So let's talk some preseason. But first, thanks to our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, esports, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, your favorite casino and card games. Available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get into the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Now, the first thing I want to talk about, I think we talk about this probably every season, is the defense. Like, listen, the problem is we've been, we've been a little bit uh, spoiled in, in Green Bay because you've always had – Really good offensive Hall, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, all pro wide receivers, offensive line play, running backs, et cetera. And so we've always done pretty well in the preseason against our own defense. In fact, I, I can't remember – honestly, I can't remember a year, maybe my first year in the league where I, everybody was kicking my backside. But I just – that was maybe the only year where I thought, oh, man, these guys – the defense might be as good as the offense. It probably wasn't the case. But defense, you just have to understand, it's not that defense is easier. It's that – you always hear that 11 players have to make the play work on offense and one player can disrupt the game on defense. Um, there's some, there's some truth to that. I mean, the continuity, the continuity on offense, um, one person make a mistake and ruin a play. The same can really happen. You miss a gap on defense. You can, you can ruin a play as well, but it's just, there doesn't need to be that cohesiveness. Plays are literally a little bit simpler. It's, you know, on defense, you, you have a play that you're going to run. You've lined up on you know, versus certain formations. You line up, your front has a certain lineup. Your, your linebackers are responsible for gaps. Your, safety has, your safeties have rotations and coverages based on what they see. But after that, you're just kind of playing ball. Whereas on offense, it is a little bit of a dance. It's a little bit of a nuanced dance. You have a couple different options at different positions. Line, for example, you have a couple, you have initial footwork that's going to change slightly depending on where your linebacker is, where your defensive tackle or defensive end is. The running back is going to take the exact same footwork at the beginning of um each outside zone, inside zone, mid zone, regardless of uh, what the defense is lined up in. Like you're always going to take that initial fork, then you start playing ball. Wide receiver is going to have different ways to exit the line of scrimmage, depending on where, if they're pressed up or, or if they're open release, um, what the coverage looks like later on. And so there's a lot of kind of moving after the ball and things that have to happen. But that initial first 
couple of moments, there's not a lot going on that you don't already know about. And so I don't know if from a player standpoint, just because it, it sounds like, and you know, we're not privy to a lot of action, I think, as far as the sideline view on, on the Green Bay Packers yet, but it sounds like the defense is doing quite well. You expect them to do quite well because why? They got seven or eight first-round draft picks, and from a talent standpoint, they should be better than our offense, especially when you don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. You have young receivers. You have two, you know, two first uh, first day or second day picks at at tight end that are first year players. Really excited about both those guys, by the way. It just takes time. You know, timing in the passing game takes time. Timing in the running game takes time. Continuity, learning the 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 amount of the sheer. I mean, if you saw what was in. A, a playbook if you put playbooks into paper or on what's on this ipad as far as how many different variations of the same offensive play or scheme are going on and all the different calls i was just privy to an offense not the green bay packers i was just looking through another playbook recently and the way that they even count the linebackers or they count in the run game, who's going to be the mic, who, who, who the offensive line is going to is completely different. It's intuitive. They count from the sideline in. It's completely different than anything we ever did. And, you know, if, if all the words start with W, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. If they all start with Y, T, R, they don't, you're not grouping them like that. So just from like the center standpoint, you've got a young center and the amount of stuff that that person has to know, and do their job against a guy who's probably a better athlete than them. I mean, we always talk about quarterback being the hardest position in, in, in sports. And I think to some extent from a mental processing standpoint, that has to be true. But don't ever think that the one-on-one -on -one confrontations that you're allowed to set your privy to in the National Football League or any other sport, but you're privy to. Here comes Amon. What's up, Amon? Man, what's up, Mike? How you doing? Nothing, man. I was just saying, you know, that you know, we talk about – the defense is probably winning early right now, but yeah. when you think about like you know quarterback being the most difficult position in sports, and from a mental processing standpoint, it's hard mm -hmm. to argue. Yes. But the one-on-one -on -one matchups that, that that the offensive center has to deal with, a tight end, a running back, a wide receiver, any you know any player on offense that has to deal with as far as what you see, how that's going to affect kind of the initial part of the play, right? Mm -hmm. All the different calls and scenarios, the switches. The, the verbal cues, the audio cues or visual cues, excuse me, that you yeah. can you can have before the snap and then having to go against this guy who nine times out of ten, at least in our case, was a better athlete than we were. That, right. I mean, that's a very, very tall order. And it takes a while to get that all together. Eleven people, eleven players working on, on the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all about catching up to that pace of everybody. You know, you're you're been training all off season either with the group or and y'all been doing certain things, but never. 100% full contact. You know, it's never to the ground. It's never, it's just a quick hand here or there, maybe running and then running, right? Receivers running routes, they're up pretty much up the whole time. When I mean up, they're not on the ground unless they, you know, really getting, they're not aggressive. taking shots. Certainly. Exactly. Not not getting, not taking shots or not getting shot at, basically. So now, though, once cap starts up, you know, mini camp too, same thing. You're all in t shirts and a helmet and a hat these days. There's no physicality to it, but there there's technique working and understanding that eventually, okay, this is what's going to happen when I go full speed, when I'm making this block, when I'm making this angle of a cut, or I got to make sure my my pad level is at a certain level. So if somebody's going to hit me, I could ping pong off of them and they hit me up instead of taking all that brunt of the hit and I'm absorbing all of it. I'm kind of ricocheting off of them. So I don't, 
you know, feel that hit later on in the practice. So that was that that was like a mindset that I had in learning how to fall in and out of contact and making sure that that I felt that full effect of like, all right, this is what it's gonna feel like come August or July once training camp got there. So AG, explain to us what the difference is. I guess maybe most importantly, because this mm. is what we care about, because today's like the first day of pads for a lot of teams. You have to go through this you know, three-day process, and then you put shoulder pads on, and then you put full pads on. Right. Explain yeah. to us what the difference is for players in intensity level or in preparation and thought process when we think about training camp in general on a padded day versus a non-padded day. Um, the mindset is basically, okay, we're – now pull tilt is live shots going to happen. Live bullets are shooting. You know, everybody's firing. So you got to be ready for that. And then going down to your basics of your footwork technique for y'all, you know, your position, the O-line and how y'all set and all that now. Because now it's going to be setting and embracing for impact now. A little bit more impact than it was during minicamp, you know, prior to that. So now you got to brace a little harder and stuff. Me getting the ball, running the ball downhill, then now I've got to be prepared for you know, coming in same foot, same shoulder to the linebacker, linebacker doing the same to me and also rapping, maybe thudding for today. I know that'll be a, the pace of today is more of a thud, even though it's past. But still, my mindset, I don't, when I hear thud, it's contact to me. That's all that is. It's just another word for contact. It's not maybe full speed, but for me, it's contact. So I'm not going to get caught off guard running up the A gap and then a linebacker fits me up. And then I'm not full tilt, then now my shoulders hurt. You know, it's like, no, 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 you're not going to ever catch me doing that. I'm going to always be actively in the moment knowing that it is thud. But when I hit you, you're going to feel it when you hit me. But it's all it's all respect. It's all getting ready and being professional. And so if you don't have that mindset on that, then that's where guys get hurt. That's guy when guys get frustrated and they start fights because they, man, why are you going so fast or I wasn't ready for that, man. What you not ready for, man? You knew what it was. It's thud. I came in, maybe I came in just a, just a tad above thud, but still, what's what are you mad about? So it's just a lot of those mindsets going in when you have that first day of padded pra- practice. And also, the biggest thing for coaches, from a coach's standpoint, is obviously no, he don't want nobody wants to get hurt. He wants to keep everybody healthy. Right. Little stuff would pop up here and there, but nothing dramatic. But just getting ready, get that first day out the way. Be like, okay, here we go then everybody kind of starts to ease into everything. Yeah, there's a few things there. I mean, certainly, I think for offensive and defensive linemen, except for we can't cut on the backside, everything else is live for us. I mean, linebackers, yeah. everything else was live. I mean, the, the tackling wasn't live, you know, for you guys. And, and you know, wide receivers certainly were probably getting butted up more than they, – they probably the biggest beneficiaries of, of thud, not tackling. Mm-hmm. When you say – it's interesting about when you say uh, – uh, when you start talking about injuries because obviously for players – Players aren't thinking about it. Well, I shouldn't say this now. Back in the day, in, in <laughs> yeah. Green Bay, uh, players were worried about not being like worn out for the next preseason game, whatever they actually had to perform yes. on camera. Yeah, that's yeah. what guys are kind of thinking about. They're like, all right, when am I going to have to perform on camera? Now we and we're trying to get better during the training camps and we're trying to do all that, but mm-hmm. guys are really kind of have that in the back of their mind. In Green Bay, we're lucky. Um, the weather's not that bad. We practice extremely hard. We have a very professional group. Guys kind of knew how to practice at a very high level mm-hmm. without um, a lot of extra stuff. So we could go really, really hard. But, you know, it's like if I if, if I knocked you to the ground, I'm not going to jump on you as well. Whereas yeah. you, you see some of these guys, even nowadays, it's, there's always a little bit of tough guy to you that you, we, we didn't think we needed. 
we could save yeah. that for the other team. Yeah. But when yeah. I got to like, I remember we got to Carolina and I was used to practicing how we practiced in Green Bay. And I got to Carolina and, and they've got, you know, top, top defense, top box seven in the league at the time. Correct. I remember some of the guys were like, bro, you don't understand. If you keep practicing like this, we're not going to make it through training camp because <laughs> they don't mess around down here. They don't care about your health. They don't care about your, your well-being. They've got a two and a half hour full padded practice twice a day. And that's what we're doing. And it's, you know, 100% humidity, 95 degrees outside in South Carolina. Yeah. And we, and they just, you know, Foxy, that's, he was going to do it. And that's what was going to be done. And so mm-hmm. I think around the league, it probably feels different for different people. But the, you know, the thing that I took away, especially early was like padded practices were just a, just a, literally just a couple more bruises on your body. You didn't really change that much, at least for us from, listen, your footwork's always got to be right. You're going to look bad. Your hands are always going to be right. Yep. You're going to look bad. You just got to know, and we're always striking with our helmet in our hands anyways, right? So the, except for maybe up on the linebackers, that probably got more physical. I probably felt that a little more because we pulled so much. Mm-hmm. But the just the interior play, it's always such a – especially if you're going against you – know, I remember Corey Williams, you know, uh, Santana, Gilbert, obviously guys like that. I mean, we had such good guys, Billy Lyon, badass Billy Lyon. We had guys that always wanted to go out there and show and play hard, especially against our offensive line and our team that was mm-hmm. it was pretty formidable at that time. Guys always wanted to go out there and perform well. So you never really – you always expected to – I guess the biggest takeaway was like you expect to win. And if you don't win, you, you know, it's like, shit, what are we going to do yeah. now? <laughs> you right. got to go back the next day and do even better. Yeah, we got to figure it out basically and make those adjustments going into the next practice basically. And the next practice was either – for us, it was either – it was a two-a-day practice. So it was only a couple hours later. Mm-hmm. Or it was a get your eight hours of sleep and then now you got the next practice then – make all your adjustments and then be ready for that and see how your body feel that next morning, stuff like that. I think the hardest part now is like, for me, the part that I just, I really, I love football, but I, I don't, I would have a hard time just standing this is when, you know, we got all this, the, the reporters now and they're literally on the sidelines and it's like Amon slipped on, on an outside zone play. What does that mean? Or like somebody yes. gets, you know, like somebody, somebody, they, they see kind of a, a player come free and they have no idea why it happened, but it's like player X yes. came free must been, must have beat the right guard. You know, you're like, well, he wasn't even over, you know, it's just, yes. it's so, it's so bad, but it, if it would be hard to not let it get to you. Cause it's like, these guys, they all read, they're all on Twitter. They all know yeah. all the personalities on ESPN and, and NFL uh, network. Yeah. And when they're hearing this stuff, sometimes, especially from the sideline guys who are just given their like, professional review on the play-by-play uh that's like i see it sometimes on twitter i'm like man just let it go like no, yes. nobody can be that interested this is this these are these reps mean for the context of of the fan the reps mean yeah. so so little compared to what you're going to see on game day 100 percent. and for those sideline reporters you know they, they're just getting something so their editor doesn't snap at them when they get back i'm to not office. mad at them hey. it's part of the job yeah, it's part of their job. Like I said, they're just trying to get some material down. It might jog their memory or something, or their writing ability. <laughs> Tucker Craft oh, got yeah. uh, Tucker Craft got beat up uh, a couple of days ago. I think he walked off with some ice on his thigh or something. But Luke Musgrave, Ooh. Tucker Craft. I mean, these two tight ends they yes. have they have played a significant amount of time on the field together. Now, Luke Musgrave is going to be the starting tight end. That's what it looks like. But yeah. they're on the field together in two tight end sets. They've been featured a couple times here in this preseason, enough for people to you know have you know start thinking about all right, man, what does this mean? And we've kind of already talked about what it means 
100%. excuse me for for our offense but let's talk about what this means for our defense and our defensive development particularly yes. at a it's safety huge. position at a safety position and maybe with quay walker included in that um that needs some is in dire need of some development with adrian amos gone 100 you know it's having the ability or having the tight end with the abilities these these young guys have for Darnell, for the other safeties back there, it's going to give them so much experience dealing with a big guy that can move between running routes and between getting blocked by him. Because then they could, if they don't take it personal, where we know players will go and say, hey, you know what, just learn from this part. You got, you got dominated, okay? Now go to that tight end and be like, hey, what? How did you get me there? How did you? What was your? What's your thought process blocking me as a safety smaller than you? And regardless, you're going. Yeah, yeah, you got the advantage. But what is your still mindset? Use that. And so that's where it's going to be beneficial. And then also route running, because with those two big tight ends, obviously it's not a speed factor; it's a size factor covering them. Because then they can body that smaller safety up. It's like getting in the paint in basketball. You got a small guy on me. Throw, hey, throw me the high ball. You know, so they can learn how to defend that a lot better, practicing with those young guys and say, hey, I want I want that. I, if I'm if I'm any of those safeties, I'm especially if I'm savage, I'm like, give me I'm going to the coach, tight ends coach. Give me something every day from these two. I want something every day because this is the NFL. Now we got tight ends that are these side, this size, this aggression. The technique is there. The dynamic ability is there. So I'm going to face this when we play the 49ers. I'm going to face this when we play the Seahawks. I'm going to face this when we play the Bronx. Whoever we play, we there is a tight end that's 6'6", six, six, that runs 4'6", four, 4'7", four, and then can run block. So give me all of that because it's going to make me better at the end of the day. That's the mindset I, you know, that they need to be thinking about. And that's how either – and then if they don't have that mindset, they're going to get bludgeoned with it because this is going to be so. This is now a staple of this offense for Matt LaFleur making a point to draft these two guys high for their draft picks in 2023. Yeah. Let's hope that's the case. And, you know, certainly we've seen all kinds of, you know, Tony Gonzalez, um, you know, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts for Atlanta, who's just a, a phenomenal football player. I don't know if I call him a tight end. Yeah. He he's not more, but, he's more on the pass side of it, but we are. Well, and even, you know, Dalton Kincaid, the first pick, you know, this year, the first tight end off the board this year, more receiving guy, but Penn State, right? But, but there State. are, but there are guys. Um, I, you know, I don't recall it, EG, but yeah. there are guys. Uh, you think about the the San Francisco 49ers in particular. There are teams that are beginning Mark Andrews uh, in the Baltimore Ravens. You, there are teams yes. who have these two way go players. We're hoping that Luke and and and, and Tucker can both be two way go players. We're hoping that they can add that. It's just like the pendulum swings. So far, one way, all the passing rules come in. We started getting four wide receiver looks, mm-hmm. and now off defenses have smaller line. Like it's like linebacker. What happened? Safeties got smaller. Linebackers got mm-hmm. smaller. Everybody got smaller. So now it's like, oh, what can we do? Oh, we can run the ball again. We can we can make them bring three linebackers into the game with playing two tight ends that can stretch the defense. Like mm-hmm. the chess game on a kind of a global level is changing back to maybe closer to what we're used to as a consequence of the physical size and stature of some of these defenders has changed and therefore we need to change with the times 100%. Um, listen pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me 
nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What goes along with the, the safety talk, there was an article today that was talking about uh, Jair Alexander and, and Rasul Douglas. Oh, yeah. Good article. I know what you're talking about. They're communicating better. And I thought it was like, it was super interesting because uh, you know, essentially what they, what it said was, um, in a nutshell, I'll paraphrase, Jair Alexander is a, is a one-on-one defender, so he only watches tape on one-on-one players. He doesn't. He watches moves. Mm-hmm. Rasul Douglas is not a one-on-one defender, so he has to watch like the global tape. And so like when I'm working with athletes, we'll talk about there's kind of a global view that yep. you have to watch tape on, and that's what the coaches watch, right? Like, what's the personnel? What's the down and distance? What's the situation? Is it after a turnover? Is it after a punt? What are they? What are the? What is the tendency of the defensive or offensive coordinators to do 100%. during this, this kind of situation? Yeah. And then there's the local view of like, how do you beat your guy? And what we always talk about is like, you have to be able to talk global, but you got to be able to focus on local. Like, you have to be able to do both. And it was just interesting because both these guys are pros. Jair's an exceptional pro. But it sounded like, boy, they actually only do – they're both doing one. It's like peanut butter and chocolate. Like, they, they got to actually come together to figure out what's going on, like, whole picture. Yeah, so they now that peanut butter and chocolate is going to be a, a good-tasting little cookie back there in the defensive backfield because in that article, I read the same one. We are on the same page. It was like that, that, that aha moment for both of them because mm-hmm. Zaire, being that individual guy, like you said, he doesn't oh, – don't give me the full film. I just want to see Je- uh, Justin Jefferson. I just want to see all his routes. You know, how he runs a comeback, how he runs a, a two route, a three route, a nine. I just want to see that. And then Razul, like he like for me, that's what I did. I was more global because then I, I like to see where the linebackers are shifting or where they're at, where the DBs are at, where the safety's at. And I want to also see the safety rotation because then I know a potential blitz where it's coming from. But then I already but I played against, you know, guys in our division so much. I already kind of knew what they had. It wasn't much that Brian or Acker was going to bring to the game. You know, you knew what he was going to do. Uh, Derek Brooks, though, that was a guy that he was a uh, he was a toolbox. He had everything. You know, he could pass, he could rush and all that stuff. So having that two people like that at that level able to come to a common ground and say, hey, I know this, you know that. Let's make this work. And then we got to bounce calls. And we, and we saw it last year because it was still in, in transition trying to get there. And that's where we saw a lot of big mistakes still made. But at the end of the season, things kind of tightened up a little bit better, but they still got a lot of work to do on it. You always talk about Derek Brooks over Brian Urlacher. Do you think? Do you think? I mean, if you had both, both Hall of Fame players, but yes, do you like Derek both. better than Brian? I like him better because he 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 was a little bit more solid to me in terms solid, of solid in what way? In in physicality, physicality. Really? Yes, in my book, because Urlacher outweighed by twenty pounds. True, true. Right. That's true. Um, I'm not but, saying that 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 dismisses it, but that you know what I mean. That's that's an interesting. I just, I just, I just felt that when DB, especially when I first got here, as as he got older, mm-hmm. you know, by 03, 04, it was different. But 01, like two thousand, that guy was a thump. He's dumping. It was a headache. And not saying that Brian Erlacher was, but sure. we knew against the Bears, if we did ninety six power. Oh, we we gonna eat all day. Right. Uh, no that, doubt. That was one play that I knew it was gonna get called, or the opposite of that, going in ninety seven counter was going to we're going to eat all day we're going to get yards 5 10 
15 because he Brian was going to either try to cheat and run outside and then come underneath or try to take go. on he couldn't take on blocks exactly that right. is why I always say Derek over Erlacher because mm-hmm. Will Henderson was going to just be chasing Erlacher but he's going to have to face DB Shelton Corals any of those guys from the Tampa Bay defense they were going yeah. to face him in the hole and I what we weren't getting that action against the Bears, especially when, you know, especially like 03 season, 03, 04, that was that those few years where Erlacher was like, no, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> I, yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I, you know, I, I like, I, uh, I was 295 pounds and, and I didn't, I didn't look Derek Brooks as like a particularly physical guy, but I do understand what you mean as far as his, his block, his block protection, his, his way to slip blocks, like his, his willingness to be physical, Mm-hmm. Not necessarily meaning like he's going to try to go through me, but he's going to try to, you know, slip around, slip the hip. He was very, very good at that. Some guys are really yeah. good at it, some aren't. You know, yeah. I always look at, you know, we always talk about uh, uh, Arlacher's running mate. Uh, oh, nice Bridge. Who did Lance. And, and Shelton Quarles was another guy who, who really liked to fill the hole. Hardy back in the day yes. liked to fill the hole. Yes. Um, but, but, Brooksy was, I mean, Brooksy's a rare guy, right? He's a he's a four 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 three linebacker that could yep. that was super super smart, great leader, great human. I just I I want we're getting off tangent, but but I I always find that interesting because I I always thought Briggs was the guy. We 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 well, have kind of have to talk about Erlacher, but yeah. you always you always when I bring up Erlacher or something, you always bring up uh, Brooksy. Yeah, I always, and, and, and well just, deserved. I'm just curious. Right, and now again, trying to say Lance was a problem though. Lance, Lance was, was a problem. problem. He was the problem. Erlacher. He was like the offense alignment to the running back. So the offense alignment get all nasty and dirty, and he's clean, hitting the hole, and boom, making all these big plays. And then at the end of the day, Lance Briggs, everybody else is doing all the dirty work. And then no uh, Erlacher becomes the Hall of Famer. It's like, hey, you got a guy called Lance Briggs that was moving people <laughs> and doing a lot how, of work. It's funny how Mark, you know, it is funny how all of that works. I mean, there's a, there's a, obviously a whole narrative about playing middle linebacker, yes. you know, Chicago Bears, but especially down there in Chicago. Yeah, Correct. yeah, but but it is interesting, and not to take. I I think Brian's a. I thought first of all, I thought it was a great dude. I thought it was oh, a great yeah, football I player. fantastic guy. But it is interesting yeah. that that Briggs didn't isn't mentioned in the same breath, and he, right. you know, for I think for anybody who played against him, he was at least in the same breath, if not more. Hell yeah! Who do you think on this team? Let's switch back to the Packers. Who do you yes. think on this team is kind of the guy that you just want to see? You're interested in early in this season. Like, who's the guy you're looking for? Oh man, that's a great question. And I was I saw the the run of show early, looking at it. That question, thinking about it, it was like a couple of players popped out popped out of mind, popped in my brain. Um, I don't want to say just because. It's his time, Jordan Love. I want to see him do what he's going to do, good or bad. It's good or bad. I want him to be successful, but I just want to see him do something. And because we already know it's going to be that moment. He's going to have a good game or he's going to have a good play. Then he's going to have a bad play. I want to see how he comes back from that stuff. That's all. I want to see that. And I want to see it if it happens a few times, which it's going to, it's going to. And that it's the same effect. And he has a bad moment, he comes down, throws a touchdown, or he makes a big play the next day, the next play, I mean, in our next game, you know, stuff like that. I just want to see what he does throughout the year. I'm going to keep an eye on him the whole season. And is he is he reserved or is he a risk taker? You know, is he, is, That's what is we're he, find is out, he, right? Is he a manager? Is he, mm-hmm. is he a gunslinger? We really don't know. And we, we never really get a chance to see his personality until he's like, once you, it's, Brett was so unique because when yeah. Brett, like, 
every time Brent came into the game, they're like, "Hey, guess what I do? I throw seventy yards every. You know, I, I let it rip." Yeah. But most guys aren't like that. Most guys are like, "I'm going to show you a little bit what I got from a talent standpoint, but I'm going to play within the coach's system yep. until I become the guy, and then it's going to become my system." That's kind of what Aaron did. Yeah. But you know, guys like Brett from the jump are like, "No, nah, no, nah, we're ripping." Like, Watch Holger, this. on the sideline, like tearing his hair out. You know, mustache hairs flying everywhere because he's so angry all the time. God you damn know, it! What did you trying, call? <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to rein him in a little bit, but it's will it be interesting to see the guy that I think offensive line wise, I just the right tackle position is open. We talked about it last year. Mm-hmm. Zach Tom is one of the best kind of athletes That's to come into the that room in a long time. Maybe mm-hmm. since Bakhtiari. Elton Jenkins, that's not fair. Jenkins is a great athlete, too. Correct. But he's just a unique – he's kind of a unique guy. He runs a sub five. He came in at you know, 6'5", 295 pounds, moves well, but needs to put on some weight. Well, he put on some weight. Yeah. He gained 15 pounds. Like, now, is it good weight? We'll have, you know, we'll have to see. How do you feel? How do you really move at that position? Is this offense putting you in a position where you don't have to get off the line of scrimmage that fast? Like, maybe you only have six plays a game that are, like, legitimate one-on-one seven-step five-step drop you know pass protection versus all the play action all the three-step all the quick screens all the mm-hmm. all the all the you know all the other stuff that makes this miss offense really user-friendly for an offensive lineman yeah but but at 315 assuming he can keep that level of athleticism and he's got another year under his belt like we've had a lot of good mark tauscher brian yeah. belog we've had a good a lot of good right tackles and we could just be another long line of of kind of legacy right tackles i mean you think about you think about the Green Bay Packers that really the offensive line across the board, mm-hmm. they've just had some dogs for the last 30 years. I mean, starting yeah. with like Aaron Taylor back at left guard. You know what yeah, I mean? I I just think, yeah. yeah. I mean, we had Rich Moran, Aaron Taylor, uh, uh, Ross, myself. I mean, yep. Joey, Charles. you know, all these yeah, guys. Chad they, on the other they, side. Yeah. They, they got, they got rid of, when they got rid of Marco and I, it took a minute, but then they all did. of a sudden, like, TJ Lang and Josh shouldn't show up. And it's like, man, these guys are really, I mean, those guys were amazing football players. And so they've always just done so well at that position. And they've kind of been looking for a guy since Balaga left. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it's year two, year three away from him. Okay. Can we, can we get that guy? Can we, can we stick with it? I thought Billy Turner was good enough to keep. They didn't. So now it's like, okay, we're now we're three, four years out of here, Mm -hmm. out of, out of Balaga. They need to get a guy who's going to be the next seven-year right tackle for the for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, because that alleviates a lot of stress. I mean, because that position de- demands so much. And when you find that that pillar, and that pillar not moving, not going anywhere, does their job week in, week out, year over year, then it becomes easier to then fit out the rest of the offense. You know, when you need other positions, if it, and then also money-wise, it helps to cap out too. Because when you got that one person. You keep them satisfied, and then they're doing their job. Then everything else is, is is basically, I say, fluent around the facility. The other guy I want to really see is um, Devondre Wyatt or Devontae mm-hmm. Wyatt. Excuse me, Devontae Wyatt. I yeah. think, and and maybe maybe it's Devontae. Like, who's it going to be? Is going to be is Wyatt going to step up, or is TJ Slayton going to be is going to take that spot? Right. Because it, it, you know, if it's probably a toss up going into camp, right? I mean, you're you're going to go the Georgia first round draft pick is. He's probably got the inside track just because of who he is and where he got drafted. But TJ did some good things last year. Certainly, you know, he's a young player that can that can continue to grow and improve in this defense. And I Devontae was so far away from being an every down player, even midway through the year, 
that I don't know if you can make that kind of leap. And so it'd mm-hmm. just be interesting to see what kind of leap that, you know, can, can he play it with a lower pad level? Can he be a more refined run, run defender and, and, and be a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage? We know he's got the explosiveness in, in, in the, in the past game. We know, I thought they didn't do a good job. They could have done a better job of taking advantage of kind of his skill set more often than not, mm-hmm. especially against some young guards, even in our division, especially out of Minnesota Vikings. True. Could have done a better job, like taking advantage of what you're good at and, and get, building that confidence, like they did for Quay Walker, blitzing him a little bit more towards the end of the season, getting him into kind of a, hey, here, go downhill and make plays. Um, but they didn't. And so we're kind of waiting to scratch our heads and see who's that guy's going to free up Kenny Clark a little bit more. Yeah. And I'll say another. I'll say another one since you did too. I'll go and I'll go with Quay Walker. And my biggest yeah. thing there is this: uh, has he matured? You know, from learning the offense or learning the defense, being the player that he should be, but then some of the dumb errors he had later that he had during his season. You know, that year, last year. So you know those. You know, late in the season he had the personal foul one where he pushed the one coach and just has he paid attention to that and get better and then have that ability. I think I mentioned this a couple of shows ago before break that he has that his ability then matches up with his on field awareness intelligence and coaching wise all comes together and then has another and it has a year where he's again this is another growing year for him but a better one than it was kind of up and down kind of kind of this uh i say plateaued because of everything else that was going on when he started doing the the crazy plays out of the you know penalty flag stuff like that so there's, he, you know what he, you know what he looked like last year. He just looked like a really good athlete that had, like, to your, to your word, using your word, he kind of plateaued because he didn't have the, 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 the technical skill set, or maybe the, 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 the. Not, I don't want to say football intelligence, mm-hmm. but the intelligence, the scheme intelligence, to really excel given what he was being asked to do. So he, I, you know, he yeah. like, he was maxing out on on physical his physical ability. But you, you know, when that other part of the game kicks in, it slows down. He'll be, he'll be great. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about this, Ag. Mm. Sean Payton comes out. Yeah, <laughs> and I think we just got to say a couple words on it. I mean, Sean Payton comes out and just, you know, just listen. I don't think anything that Sean Payton does is not premeditated. He just mm. doesn't, you know, he doesn't keep, right. seem like the kind of guy who's just going to say that off the off the hip, even though he did work for Fox last year or whatever. <laughs> so he goes out and bashes Nathaniel Hackett and the job that they did and the poor coaching job in the culture. And you sit there and you go, it was just so out of character for, not for Sean Payton, but for an NFL head coach to talk about another NFL program. It just, right. you know, it just didn't make sense. Another coaching staff. It just didn't make any sense. Um, and then Aaron, you know, Aaron, being Aaron said, "Listen, don't talk. Get, keep our name out your mouth." And I know that, I know that uh, Robert Salas, you know, came out and, and said, "You know, if you're not, you know, if you're not getting complained about or whatever it was, someone's not talking trash about you. You're not doing your job." And and, and he's going to let you know Sean Payton do his thing. We'll we'll deal with it on the field. Um, I just thought, I thought it was it was you know, I if he was a commentator and you say it, you go, "Yeah, you're yeah. right. It was." When you're in that job and you're and you're literally at that building, and you're trying, are you trying to protect Russ? All right, like what are you trying to do? Because obviously they're not going to be as bad as they were. Like right. I think we can all just right. guess that they're not going to be that bad. So what do you? Do? There's no benefit for no. you to say anything. There's it, it's a lose lose, right? You're going to yes. be better if you're even near the same. What are, what are people going to say? I just don't understand the, the benefit of, of opening your mouth at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's. It's the world of trash talking. Something I learned a long time ago. You don't do. 
Um, and it was surprising to me too to hear Sean Payton, you know, say what he said. And I love the fact that Aaron, you know, did what he did. And there's no surprise, um, mm-hmm. being that his that's his coach then and now. Um, and I think it sends a message to to everybody, not just coaches or just whoever. It sends a message to everybody. It's like, look, you know, this job is already hard enough. You got everybody else. When I, when I say everybody else, you got other, you know, people. You got people at Fox, NFL Network, CBS Sports, commenting on every player, every coach, every GM, every day, negatively, positively. And now you got somebody within your own sector, your own peer, now is going to throw shots at you. You know, it's like, you know, you should have thought more about it. You would think so. You know, and like you said, Sean, a lot of stuff he does is premeditated, which I haven't watched enough of his press conferences yet to know that or – I haven't really been around. Well, ever, just think about how but, he, I mean, he, like, there's right. a reason he mm-hmm. left the Saints, right? Like, sure. he's, he's not he's not going to put himself in a situation where he doesn't think he can do well. He's not going to stick around in a situation where he doesn't think he's going to do well. Yeah, and, I, and you don't fault him for it. Like, he's strategic. He's not. A, he's he's a smart guy. He's a great coach. He's a smart yeah, guy. He's, I know. Just, yeah, he's definitely just, smart. Yeah, to your point, it's like, it's like, uh, if if you're a coach that's just going to go out there and just say whatever you want anyways, then great. If that's your personality. Yeah. That's the, everybody expects that. But, if, know, but if you're, deal. if you're jumping ship, you just saw what I, I don't even know what his deal is. It had to be a monster deal for to get him off the, off the yeah, booth. 100%. But to, to do that and then to just start taking shots at the last guy, I, I, you know, I think he'll probably look back on that one and go, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have said that. Have doesn't, said doesn't, that. doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. That's what, it doesn't look or sound good because he, is sitting in a position where, like I said, he's coming off a year where he's in the booth. He was in the suit all year. And unless they must have crossed paths somewhere behind the scene years ago, that's probably why he said it. I don't know. Just putting it out there. But, yeah, it's no it's no place for it. Pretty much. It's, it's trash talking, so just don't let it come back and bite you in the ass. That's all I say. Jim Ursay is now talking about how – listen, this, I this, saw Jim, this one Jim, Ursay, this is Jim Ursay, uh so for those who don't know – Who's him, interesting anyway, by the way. He's very interesting, by the way. Well – Very interesting listen, GM. It, well, it's, it's he's a – Robert Ursay, his father, had yes. like a – he had a – he had built a, a huge fortune in um, like, heat, like HVACs, heating and cooling yeah. systems. Oh, nice, nice. And I, at some point he bought, I want to say the Los Angeles Rams. I think that was the team he bought. Somebody he owned the Colts and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, you know, yeah. so Jim Ursay worked his absolute, you know, his balls off to inherit this team from his dad and this, you know, this massive fortune and everything from his dad. Mm-hmm. And instead of uh, running it in a manner that respects the values, I think, of team culture, National Football League, all, all the, you know, all the things that locker room, you know, hey, this guy's our locker room leader for the last two, three years. He's our offense. He's everything to us. Yes. Oh, and now, not only, you know, I understand the economics of running back. We've kind of gone through that already. Yeah, well, yeah. But, but to get on Twitter and to start saying, we might do a non-football related injury for Jonathan Taylor, because Jonathan Taylor wasn't like, like me, he wasn't snowboarding in the off season, right? Or, right. or like doing some stupid stuff. He was potentially strained his back lifting weights when he was off football to get ready for football. And and Jim Irsay comes on Twitter and goes, "Oh, we might we might put him on the NFI for his back." It's like, 
Oh, so you're saying now that you don't want your players to work out, right? I mean, like there's so oh, many okay. layers of stupidity. Got it, got it, got you know, there's it. so many layers of like, what, dude, get off Twitter, bro. Like you've you you inherited four billion dollars. I'm, I'm sure you grew some of it yourself. I'm not saying like you're a better man than me, right. but holy hell, man! Like just know your role. Like yeah. be an owner. Yeah, owner, the best owners in the world. You don't need. You rarely know who they are. Right. Exactly. Write a check. Enjoy it. Go sit in your booth. Leave us alone. Yeah, I mean, this is a learning lesson on coaching, what not to do, and being a, a owner, what not to do. So this is <laughs> this week for sure. It is like, and he's always been the kind of the hot fire, ready to sh you know say some hot headline, you know, out there. Along with his dad, I think. I remember way back in the day, if it was his dad, when Marshall Shaw, Marshall Falk got drafted, or mm -hmm. yeah, drafted, mm -hmm. and. Um, Grease hair, I can't think of his name right now. I'll say Grease hair <laughs> was uh, mad because the Colts didn't need a running back when they drafted Marshall oh, Falk, yeah, yeah. Um, and he went off on him. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Glasses, Mel Kuyper. That's what it is. Mel, Mel Kuyper. Yeah, when Mel Kuyper said that, and oh yeah, dad, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, that was Ursay. Yeah, that was yeah, that was Ursay's dad. So it's just like, well, see, for some reason, that's I'm good with that because what the fuck? No, no, I'm good with Mel that. Mel Kuyper doesn't know no, damn thing. You know is, what I mean? I'm good with that. My point is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's the it's the it's the the, uh, the temper, the natural reaction, the natural reaction. Like, oh, I'm, I'm pissed. Oh, you gonna fire at me? But what he what he has to learn is social media. Even though it's there for business, it's not there for this. This is where you get it. You fall down that rabbit hole of, oh, God, what I just did. I just broke the Internet <laughs> for the wrong reasons. <laughs> you don't want that as an owner. Please don't. Let Coach, me, let me player, ask maybe offseason stuff for the player. Yes, maybe, but not the owner. Let, let me ask you this, AG. <clears throat> you, I, you're biased because you're running back, but I'm biased because I like running backs. So the, the top paid running back, I think, is Derrick Henry, 16 million, something, yep. somewhere around there. Yeah. The cap. The the uh, franchise tag it's is somewhere. 10. Let's just say it's like ten and a half, ten point three. It's is 10. it ten? Okay, it's so it's ten, just on 10. The, it's ten on the buttons. Okay, so let's say that. So the difference between obviously ten and sixteen is pretty sizable. Sixty percent increase in pay. Yep. If Ursa, there's a handful of guys in the league, and unfortunately, I don't think Ezekiel. I never thought Ezekiel Elliott was one of them. Obviously, the, the Dallas Cowboys did. I did yep. because they have an all. You know, they got a, a star-studded offensive line they had other guys that proven they could do it etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. um but you do have a handful of guys you have a derrick henry you have i think for me a christian mccaffrey i think yeah. you have a nick chubb and you have a jonathan taylor so pro and i don't know if there's another guy in that conversation you'd know more than i do that it's at like the elite 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 level no, saquon saquon sorry okay so yep. five guys including saquon that are different they're just different than they're you know they're they're different than they're better than every other damn running back mm -hmm. for those elite guys and this probably goes for all positions but because we're talking about the six the 60 percent difference for those elite guys like whether you like it or not whether it's good business or not whether you think you're going to win the super bowl with the guy or not like the colts aren't winning the super bowl so if you want to have a good team if you want to have a team that can compete and go to the playoffs and make your fan base happy, because mm -hmm. you ain't winning the Super Bowl no. right now. I don't think, you know, nobody's picking them. I mean, I, I can make a lot of money right now if, if the Colts win the Super Bowl, I'd go pick them. All right. You got to pay guys who are elite players at any position. You got an elite punter, oh. pay him. On your team. You got yes. an elite cornerback, pay him. <clears throat> you got an elite, elite guard or running pay back, them. Pay, pay them. them. Yes. Because there's just not that many around. 
when I was playing guard, I thought I was a really good guard. You I were knew a Steve really Hutchinson. Good guard. I I knew Steve Hutchinson. Like yes. I didn't. I could count on you know one or two fingers That's guys I thought guy. were better than me. Yeah, that was Steve it. Hutchinson was better than me. And if whatever he was gonna pay, like when I got paid, I saw him three days later. He's like, wait till what see what I do next year. I go handshake because you you're you're the best guy in the league. There ain't Correct. no doubt about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's guys that you just gotta, in my opinion, you gotta put away the analytics and you gotta go. We gotta pay this guy what he's worth to our franchise, not what he's worth on the on a sheet of paper that says, you know, the last guy took a bad deal. I just don't. That's a, it's Derrick Henry. Is making sixteen million. If you're telling me Jonathan Taylor is not as valuable as Derrick Henry to his team, no. I I just don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things. Is scratching. It's a head scratcher. That is a head scratcher. And where I hear it, what I see it as, it would say team, the team, the GM also are like overthinking things, and they're looking. They're probably falling into this whole the devaluing of the running back as we see it today, and it's not fair. You know, I believe it's not fair. And regardless, if I was a run, if I was a linebacker, I'd be like, this is this is terrible because if he's that quality of player, correct. Right? Since he's got in Indianapolis, yeah. he's been top 15, top 20 running back. Okay, let, let's let's do this, AG. Mm-hmm. I think Tony Pollard's a good player. He's nowhere as he, he's not yeah. as valuable to his team as Jonathan Taylor. No, no. They're both franchise tags. Tony Pollard signs his tender. Correct. What do you say? To Tony Pollard, let's say you get him in a room together and you go, hey, listen, here's the deal, Tony. I know you think you're as good as he is. We don't. And nobody else does. So what? And I think Tony Pollard's a great player. I'm not saying anything bad yeah. about him. Yeah. But Jonathan Taylor's a different guy. A different what role. do you say when they say, we're going to pay Jonathan Taylor this, but you're not worth it. And, we, and I don't care. How do we fix that problem? Hey, you just, I mean, who's now who's fixing the problem? Well, listen. I mean, it's just like in the in the NBA, they maxed out the salary, and they, yes. but but like, who's like the highest paid player in the league is not who you think it is. No, you know no. what I mean. And, yeah. and so, and, and the same thing. And like, if you go if you go and look at uh, Barcelona Football Club right now, the top played player this year is Frankie De Jong. Frankie De Jong's a great player. He's not the best player on the team. Correct. And you know what I'm saying? He's, and he's making a lot more than the next guy by like 10 million a season. And so my my point to this is. It's it's a hard the NFL is hard in that there's so many positions. Yeah. And you have to put priority on defensive end, defensive cornerback, left tackle, and quarterback. That's just been the way that's how you build through the draft. And then mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. Everybody else is important. But okay. I don't know how to say if I have if my best player on my team is Saquon Barkley, Saquon should be making the most money. Well, we got to pay Daniel Jones the most money. The second most money, well, we gotta, you know, Eli, we gotta play another cornerback or somebody. No, you make it a priority. Yeah, at what point do you go, shoot, I got to make him like the second. He's got to be a top three guy on my team because he's the number one guy. Is at the point when you know if you don't have that guy on your roster, that Mm -hmm. team's not going to move. That's the point. Yeah. When you say, if I take, if I subtract him from the, the, the game day roster for 17 games, I know in my gut it's a problem. So you know what? Okay, put him, insert him. What we got in the cap? Okay, let's do the math. Let's make the number that's gonna make him happy. <laughs> here's that's what I that's think, the point. That's, here's that's, what I, think I, the, I, I got it now. I processed through that. Here, here's what I think they should do because because you're right, but they won't. They obviously wouldn't do that because it doesn't help them. Right? Yeah, because sometimes it's the simplest things, and we already know how that goes in the. In Here, the here's what I world. think they should do. 
They do this in the MLS. If you bring over Lionel Messi of the MLS, okay, you you have a designator designated player award. You award that person the designated player. They count for six hundred twelve thousand two hundred fifty dollars or something like that against the cap, okay. and you can pay them whatever you want. And wow. so, so I, in my opinion, each NFL team should have one, maybe two, designated player awards that they can give a player for the life of that contract, not a year for the life of that contract. Yeah, give if them it's a quarterback, they if it's, and they and they just say this is going to count. This is going to count X amount of dollars. Maybe it's the franchise tag number in the case of the running back. Maybe it counts ten million. But we're going to pay this guy whatever we think he's worth, and we're going to pay him for. Uh, we're going to pay him ten million dollars for you know selling PSLs. We're going to send you know whatever it is. Right. But we're going to we're going to figure out a way to make this right. I like I th- that. I think that owners. I think not every owner, but I think a lot of owners would go for that. Yes. And I, you know, and the, I think the NFL PA would go, we're starting to, we're starting to do something that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Cause they're not in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, that would solidify again, going back to the stress level, stress level go down because mm-hmm. there's one guy on that team on every team that they know they got locked in, they're happy and they're going to be in their uniform that they own or GM or who at whatever. Who would it be on the Packers? Who's the designated player on the Packers? Oh, great question. I, I think like it's only it. one guy. I think it's Ooh. I think it's easy. I think it's only one guy. But I might be wrong. You tell me. Hold on. Let me look at the roster here. Oh, what the one guy? Who's the one guy? Who's the one guy on your team you literally cannot lose? Oh, right now, Kenny Clark. On the Jerry Alexander. I, I knew it was defense. It was defense because yeah. those were the best Kenny's, players. Kenny's, right great, now. Kenny's great, but like. Jair Alexander. Yeah, last, I can see. Yes, last yes. Year, last year to me proved that it was like I don't care what he wants, you just got to give it to him because yeah, he's so much better than the, than anybody else they have. Like Kenny's really, really good. He, he probably it's probably you know an apples to apples conversation. Yeah, with them, Maybe with them that, too like, in terms of yeah, their yeah, their influence yeah. on the defense. Yeah. They're just so, but I see you see Kenny Clark and I go well. Sean Gary's better than Kenny Clark when he's healthy. I to me, True. like like he's a scary dude, right? You know what I mean? And maybe yeah. in a different way, but they're as effective. There's just well, yeah, Zaire, yeah, he does got that extra thing, extra thing. I think back in the day it might have been Bakhtiari, you know, before before the injuries and everything. But yeah, it'd, be, it'd, it'd probably be an interesting exercise because you know you you're not necessarily freeing up cap space because you still have to charge something like a yeah. franchise worth or something. But you just go, here's a little extra for being really good. Yeah. There you go. I got one for you. I got two on there, but I really want really to talk about this one. Get off my lawn, did you? I've seen you, the If you first got one, one, you let me rip. But here's, yeah, this first one. Okay, so I'm it's sitting. Hello. I'm like, what the? I'm sitting in San Diego. <laughs> okay. Okay. So San Diego is is in many ways is paradise. It's yeah. the weather's always nice. Yep. Always the ocean's 72. gorgeous. Always yeah, the 70. ocean's gorgeous. It smells. It smells great. They have more uh, Mexican Tessens than you can throw a stick at. I'm eating good every single night. Every you know everything you eat is delicious. But about five years ago, the uh, the little bird electric scooter showed up in San Diego. And when I say showed up, there were all of a sudden like 50,000 of them. And they're, they're thrown on the side of the street. They're in the, in the bushes. There's kids of all ages running over pedestrians, getting hit by cars, running through stoplights. 
and they had to, they finally have tried to put a crackdown on it. It's really bad down in the Pacific. It's, you know, it's like, it really is an old guy. Get off my lawn. I hate you people. I want, I hope every one of you get hit by a car, right? Now, the new thing out there okay. is these electric bikes. All the kids, and let me, let's preface this with, we're talking about San Diego, California, especially yeah. around the coast. Not a lot of, there's not just a ton of poverty there. Like, Kids are doing all right. This is what we're talking yes. about upper middle class to, to upper class, you know, kids. And these bikes and ain't cheap. Thirty five hundred dollars a bike, I was told. Ooh, I, I'm looking I at. I, I, haven't, yeah, I haven't checked that. The but range the, is from a thousand to six sixty five hundred. Yeah, and some That's of the them range. go. Some of them go up to seventy miles an hour, and these kids are riding them on the street, or or they're taking. They're just literally picking dudes off on the sidewalk. But we got these little groups of like little, you know, their their parents are like corporate lawyers and they're like they're trying to be like little gangster skater kids and there's like a group of four and they're just driving they're rolling around on these things running through stop signs banging on the side of people's cars and i just you know i was sitting with my parents who were living in vegas and we're sitting with their friends and they're literally harassing everybody and my dad's just like sit you know, just tell me like sit down like because i'm gonna go break their bikes like you know i'm <laughs> Listen, I'm from. I used to be from California. I'm from Texas now. Like this, you know, we do not roll like that in Texas. These guys wouldn't make it down my street. In Texas. Right? No. Okay. Hey, no. But these little cow, these little electric bike riding little assholes. I have not I seen it. such poor behavior. I have not seen such poor behavior. I felt so old, really, because they were so misbehaved. I, they they were literally just rolling in a stop in like a a four way like this, so nobody could go. They like and the nobody warriors. get out of the car and do they, nothing because they sound like the warriors from that old uh, movie. They warriors. were like the warriors if the if the, they were like the warriors if the if your if your kid sister could beat the shit out of all of them. That's what they're like. You know what I mean? It's just they're terrible humans. I I I don't wish death on children, but if a car would have hit a couple of these kids, I would have been all right with it. I know that's terrible to say. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. The car could shake them. That's all I need. I need a good shaking. Oh man. Oh, wow. I didn't know this was the case. Oh, I've seen the these bikes. I know these bikes very well. They're all over Lincoln too, and parts of Green Bay. I see guys rolling on them. I didn't it's know not they that a... they're a bad deal. It's just like, so they didn't. I don't know how you can't ride on the sidewalk because you're too fast. Correct. You can't ride on the street because you're because you're 13 and you don't you don't have a damn license. Like you can't right. ride because it, it goes 70 miles an hour. Ah, uh, and you already got a problem where the youth of today they already think they are. We roll as if they're actually privileged or not privileged, but they think they entitled are. Entitled as hell. Entitled Bro. as hell. Right. It's like, but I'm going to throat punch you real quick and let me set you down and <laughs> give you a real conversation about being a gangster. i like, this ain't gangsterism. This is harassment. You're harassing people. What is going on? People, parents? AG, I wish like it's, it's seriously one of those times where, you know, in your mind, I'm 46 now. And yeah. I'll be honest with you, I probably could... I would have. It would have been fun to to see what would have happened against four of those little punks. Oh, they but, they, they ain't want but, that smoke. But but I'm just. Smoke. But you just get so like you just feel because if you feel old, you're like God. Was I was I like that? Like I was never that bad. No, was I know I, I wasn't that bad. I hate. I mean, I I've never just generally hated children like I hated these kids. That is funny to see. I haven't oh, been to Cali in a while, and, I, and it, when I see that for the first time, I'm gonna be like, "This is what Mike was talking about. They acting oh. wow." Really? Oh man, I'm about to go to YouTube. I know it's something on YouTube about it. I'm gonna check out YouTube. Oh, it's that. a problem. I mean, they're going to, the, you know, they call the cops. And they, yeah. Anyways, it it was just a it was just an yeah. eye opener because you're you're sitting out there, you're trying to you're enjoying yourself, and then all you hear is like, 
the mouthing off to old people, you know, and some of it, you know, some of oh, it's yeah, like, that's you definitely. feel like you're watching a movie or something. And you're like, God, you guys like, actually you look, never go home. You know what I mean? It, it, it almost sounds like the Karate Kid crew, you know. Johnny was way cooler. Johnny knew karate. <laughs> Is that right? least he knew karate, right? Yeah, I mean, they had something to offer. I stand by this with, with uh, the Karate Kid. If you recall... Daniel LaRusso was the one who intervened the first time. Johnny might not have been a great person, but I don't know if he was at fault the first time. He told me, hey, I told you to leave it alone, kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, he did warn him. He did give him a warning. And that's what – but these kids, they might have to get some – get a lesson taught. That's all all I would say. So, yeah, get off my line with that one. Hey, Mike, good show as usual. Um, You can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, AmonGreen30, and check out the Gamers Lounge on TikTok. And YouTube and Twitch, Amon Green's Gamers Lounge. You can check me out on there. And Mike, let everybody know where they can find you on social. Mike Wall 68 on Twitter, process to perform on Instagram. Guys, check out this show on my block on uh, Backstats Postures to Perform on YouTube. Check us out on anywhere you get your uh, your podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Believe. AG, uh, you don't say you're going live on Twitch, aren't you? What days are you going live? Uh, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central. Since standard time. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week. Uh, we'll be doing two shows a week here with the season starts, but for now, you just get to see us once a week. So, see you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.